We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Welcome back to another episode of Spilling the LT. I'm your host, Tamara Gady, Director of Collin County Sales for Lawyer's Title. I have another amazing guest on the show with me today. Very excited to introduce you to Lance Taylor, who is one of our most valued partners and friends. He is uh, the top, he's the owner and CEO of the top producing team, the Taylor team at Keller Williams Plano, just won the number one team producing spot for 2020. He did, him and his team did 90 million in production last year. And uh, he leads a team of about 13 individuals uh, who are also very special to us. So I asked Lance to come on to the show today to talk to us about how to build not just a team, but an effective team. And so welcome to the show, Lance. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here yeah. today. Well, thank you. Always oh, great to spend some time with you. Spill the LT. I just realized that's, yeah. my, that's my initials. So there you go. Oh, perfect. <laughs> it did work out great. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking time. I know you're extremely busy professional. And, and so the fact that you took a little time out today to talk to me and talk to the group today, it means a lot to me. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Absolutely. So uh, I'm one of those that likes to get right to it and get Let's get to it. And yeah, let's so, go. Um, I, wanted, I want you to share with uh, everyone a little bit about your backstory. I know, obviously, quite a bit of it because I've yeah. known you for a long time now. Yep. So would you like to share with everyone just to kind of set the stage of where you came from and how you got here? Well, I was blessed to, I came from a real estate family. Uh, so I grew up seeing, you know, my dad in real estate, my mom supporting a brokerage. And I uh, actually had a grandfather that started a brokerage in 1968. So um, I'm a third generation realtor. That's incredible. Um, I actually didn't think real estate was the direction I was going to go early on because, you know, you see your dad doing something, you're like, mm -hmm. that's not really that cool. So um, <laughs> my path was going to be an engineer. So I was a mechanical engineer in college uh, for several years. And um, about halfway through in college, I realized that the engineer crowd is probably not going to be my crew uh, for the rest of my life, you know, hanging out and working with them. So I ended up, you know, when I was 18, I actually got my real estate license to invest in real estate. And so already had the license, went to school at University of Arkansas. Yeah, you were in a different state at the time. I was in Arkansas, here. that's okay, right. Yep. And uh, found uh, Keller Williams early on, 2004, uh, early on for me anyway. And so uh, it joined another team to really become a administrative assistant for a summer, just so that I had a job and had some income and I didn't have to go back home. And uh, through that experience, I realized I'm horrible at administrative activities, um, <laughs> but that I kind of liked, you know, what I saw in terms of uh, a buyer agent opportunity then. So, uh, you know, I went ahead and finished my degree and, went and switched over to finance and became a buyer agent right after college and thought, well, this is, you know, I could make some money here and then go move to wherever I want to go. The goal is from at that time to get out of Arkansas. Well, I met my wife and had a little change of, you know, career opportunities um, in about 2007. And so, went kind of a long way back around to uh, real estate. And I spent five, six years in uh, in Asia and doing product development for an LED lighting company. I don't think I knew that about yeah. you. And uh, okay. and then 20, see 2011, we had our first daughter, Kennedy. In mm. 2013, we had our second daughter, Presley. And at that point, traveling was not really an option mm -hmm. uh, for me anymore, especially two, three weeks at a time. And so, uh, you know, Christy, my wife, she's, of course, in real estate, too. Absolutely uh, stunning individual it, inside and out. Well, she was she was doing her thing in real estate and re-inspired me uh, to to step back in 
Okay. And so I got licensed in Texas, you know, my second time to get licensed and what uh, year was this? Support her. This was in 2013. Okay. Um, so I, I was kind of supporting her on the side and still working this other role, just mm -hmm. trying to kind of figure out how I'm going to uh, figure this out. And um, so we had kind of worked in partnership with another team at that time. So fast forward to uh, 2018, we decided that we wanted to kind of create our own culture within real estate. So Christy and I started our current team, Taylor Team DFW. And I guess the rest they say is, is history. So we, we spent about four years doing this uh, with our team and just continue to grow and surround ourselves with really great people, which we've been very fortunate that's happened. I mean, 90 million in production in 2021 is just a huge number. And you have a great team of, and, and we'll talk about this. I don't want to go too far in because yeah. I have some other questions before I want to ask this. But one of the things that I always recognize about uh, team leaders is whether or not they have a high turnover rate or not. It says a lot about the team leader. Yeah. Yeah, we have, well, you know, so part of the way we've found the individuals that work for us, they've been relationships in the past. Mm -hmm. um, so we have, you know, past clients that ended up becoming agents with us. We have past friends through church and other, you know, places mm -hmm. that have become, you know, part of the organization. And then honestly, our sphere and, you know, network of individuals have you know, presented opportunities for really great people uh, that we've worked with. So just by, you know, way of meeting these individuals, there's already some connection points. And sure. I think that helps. Um, the other thing is you have a very limited window to create success for someone before they just have a bad taste in their mouth. And it's mm -hmm. just not for them. And we, we became very aware of that front end process. That first 90 day launch is critically important that they see, you know, they see the vision um, that is possible for them on a team. And so uh, I think, you know, having that jumpstart plan and making sure that they're getting into the activities that immediately are going to create results for them is really important. So let's back up a little bit. Why? My first question for you is why should one want a team or why did you want a team? Great question. I needed um, to just go out and do what I thought I was good at, which was build relationships and connect with people and write contracts. And unfortunately, in real estate, you wear so many different hats. So it, many. It's, <laughs> so it's many. really unrealistic yeah. to expect someone to be good at everything they do that, mm -hmm. that's required for real estate, right? You've got all the back-end admin activities. You have some potentially accounting things. You've got paperwork. Then you've got the actual connections in the selling side and the showing. And then you have all the other, you know, the psych psychiatric kind of uh, support that you need for clients. Um, especially and in this market. It, it requires a lot of you. And at some point you just run out of hours to be able to execute on all that. And typically you don't like all those activities. Mm -hmm. Usually you kind of special, you, you think you like certain elements of it. And that's what's attractive of the business. The other one's like, eh. Well, and I think a so, lot of people don't realize how many elements there are to building a, a successful real estate practice. And it isn't just on the realtor side. I mean, for on the title side, lenders, they all fight these battles of, you know, trying to find balance in, in their work structure. Correct. Of yeah. how to how to build something, w keeping in mind their strengths and weaknesses. And when I had, you know, Nick Good, Matt Kelderman, Brian Force, they talked a lot about that too. Yeah, you know, that, guys. you yeah. know, Nick, Nick's the big idea guy. And, yeah. You know, he doesn't want to sit down and do the nitty gritty part, right? And Brian Force is the systems guy. So there you, you go. have to have that come together. Yeah. You have to have that nuts and bolts part of your operation figured out because mechanically your team has to function because the goal of the show today is to talk about not just building a team, but building a productive 
team. <laughs> so. You got so I mean I think you know I became really intrigued with specializations, mm-hmm. and you know I recognized in myself that I had major limitations too, and that you know we we subscribe to the disc profile, the disc test. Yes, you know? and it's great because it tells you kind of where that where you can channel some of that talent, and it also tells you where you may have not necessarily. I would say weaknesses, but things you're just not going to be as interested in. Okay. And so a team allows you to form individuals around each specific task of the process so that you can move faster together. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's the value of a team. You know, early on, though, too, I realized there's a book called Rocket Fuel um, out okay. there. And yeah. it talks about the visionary and the integrator. So in your example, Nick Good, he's the visionary. But you need someone to bring it all the way down to the execution level every day. Maybe that's Brian Forrest, right? Um, or Matt Kelderman. So it's, you usually have those two components in every business, no matter, you know, how big or small. And usually you have a knack for one or the other. So starting out, let's talk about what is your first must have hire? The first person you, you felt like you had to hire and why? So Keller Williams has a great model, and you know, they're so very much a tre- that, team structure. Yes, CEO, you're the owner of your business. That's right. Great so place for this. Stubborn people don't follow models. That was me, but uh, you have <laughs> a great model, and so they they say the first person you should hire is an assistant. Uh, so an executive assistant helps take a lot of that paperwork side, and you know a lot of the stuff that you just have to be in front of a computer to be able to execute takes that away, so that you as the agent can stay in front of clients a much higher percentage of the time. Yep. Um, you know, ultimately, I call it green time. You know, how much time are you actually talking on the phone um, to new prospects? How much time are you face-to-face with them? How much time are you writing contracts? Mm-hmm. And IPAs. that's the nuts and bolts yeah. you know, of the business. Uh, so that would be the first. And then, you know, very quickly after that, you run out of time when you're showing a lot of properties. Especially and so, in this market. In this market, it's tough. you got to move really fast. Yeah. So because the pace is picked up, um, the responsiveness that's required you need a showing assistant many times. Okay, or, so showing assistant before a buyer's agent. Yeah, so you can go either way. Um, it kind of depends on you know how you how you operate. Showing assistant actually, if you go that route first, it's a little more profitable of a business. Tell me uh, why. Because the the compensation structure number one for a showing assistant, they don't have to take on the nego- negotiations. They don't take on the full brunt of the client communications. They are you know s- simply there to um, be an excellent you know door opener and be very scheduled and connect and make sure we get people in super fast, right? Now, keep in mind, these individuals have to be licensed, Correct. okay? Yep. Because they're opening the door right. and walking into a house. They do. Um, but are these individuals more compensation-based, like via salary, or is it a split kind of thing? It can how do, be. How do they There's how do you kind of two, two models. So it can be like hourly salary, uh, salary, you know, plus maybe some vehicle expense because they're driving around a lot. Maybe you provide a vehicle. And then the other option is they get a percentage of the deal, but different than a buyer agent because there's there's not as much of the full-on communication, right? Okay. And the negotiation and the building the report, all that's one of the most important pieces, right, to have success in real estate. So you, you go that route, um, and sometimes you can manage to create a little more, you know, profit or a little more of a paycheck for you as the team owner okay. initially. And then the next step many times is to go to that either a second assistant at that point, or go to a full-on buyer agent. Okay. Um, and again, showing is a big part of the time spent in the business. So you're trying to gain your time back. And usually once you get that time back, you have to execute very specifically in your one thing, which is typically prospecting or, you know, rainmaking, finding new clients. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I have a lot of 
um, realtors in my in my client database or in my sphere that do have teams. They're not high function. They don't have fu high functioning team members. And I've, we've talked a lot about the basic infrastructure of a team, yep. which what we just discussed to me is the very basic infrastructure of right. a team, and how 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 important that TC or add, you can call it an administrative yep. assistant. I, I like TC just because it describes that they are actually doing the transaction, the contract, you know, working the contract. Sometimes they'll do negotiations, depending on how much you allow them to do things. Yes. But yep. Contract to close, basically. And so I, I like describing it that way. And I, ha I had someone who um, was an individual um, realtor, but she had a team, they weren't high functioning. And we had a lot of conversations about it. And I said, you need to hire a TC. And I sent her two recommendations. She's hired a TC. It took three years to get her to hire a TC. Wow. And Good when on she you. did it, you know, because every time we got together, she would want to talk about, you know, what I need to, you know, I want to get out of the business. I want to get out of the business. I said, you can't get out of the business. No. You can't. You yeah. don't have a functioning team to get out of the business. And so she finally um, hired a TC and she called me and she was like, I can't believe I never did this. <laughs> was, you don't know what you don't know, right? It's not, yeah. it's not natural necessarily to, um, to start leveraging right away unless you've done that before in your life yeah and so we all it's start out in real estate control. no we're the one control. right you're the man right yeah. you're the person nobody can do without me <laughs> the reality is um, lots of people can do elements of what you do um, mm -hmm. if you hire them and train them appropriately to your standards and you become much stronger through that process then because you get your time back and usually can elevate to your your one thing your top 20 percent. that is so important what you just said that what you just said is so important buy back your time Elevate yourself to what you're really good at. Offload the things that you're not really good at so that you can continue to elevate your business, right? And, and real estate is an energy business, in my opinion. So everything that you do that you don't like to do, it's sucking down. I always think about a phone battery, right? So you start with 100% in the day. But if you do, you start doing some tasks that are starting to wear you down early in the day, you may have a you know 50% phone battery before you're at... 10 a.m. in the morning, and how effective are you going to be in truly giving all your all to your clients? And they need you. You know, they need that uh, consulting and advice that they get. So, you know, if your battery runs down too early in this business, you just simply aren't going to have enough gas to get through the day and be effective and continue to build those relationships at the pace you need. Okay, so you have a executive assistant, administrative TC, whatever you want to call right. this person. You have a showing assistant. Now you want to start to add agents. So what are you looking for next? Um, so if I had to do this over again, I would do it a little differently. Okay. But, you know, the way I approach it, I had a, a transaction uh, coordinator, excuse me, outside of our business, and I had a personal assistant inside. Yes, I remember. Right, and so that move to have a, a, a transaction coordinator inside the business was really important for us. And then next after that, really, if you're if you're listing-based business, which most teams that you start need to be, mm -hmm. um, then you need a either a marketing coordinator or a listing coordinator, because you're doing a lot of marketing activities still that you're carrying the brunt on. You know, closing coordinator can sometimes do some of that for you, um, but that was another really big piece is just this whole listing process and helping you um, really groom that listing pipeline and make sure that they're executing on all the front end process to get a listing live and to get the showing process set up to manage all that. So that was another really key hire at that point. Is that person interacting with your seller? They are. Yeah. Well, early on, no, they weren't okay. uh, in our case, but they should be able to. They okay. should be able to have some you know, basic communication 
Because again, you're thinking about, you don't want to be a professional reporter and be updating people all the time on everything. You need to have a team to support updates. It's super important for a client to know what's going on, but I don't want to be the one with every little you know, update passing that on. So you need someone sitting in front of a computer. And I, I use that because you know agents are always out in the car and away, and you're not in front of all your stuff. So it's yeah. very difficult for you to be responsive and really have white glove service for your clients unless you're sitting in front of the computer. That's not where you should be as an agent. So you need that second assistant, in my opinion. That's how I would do it earlier on um, in our business. And, uh, and then you start to scale you know, the, the agents you know, one by one, top grading each time, trying okay. to get a better quality agent than the other one that you have I each think time you this hire. This is really important too. Well, there's a lot of really important things that you're saying, yeah. but you know, this top grading idea. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the reason I think it's effective is because you have to have like an avatar or a person that you're comparing to. So when you go to hire another person, you've already have your first hire, you have a direct comparison. And you typically know what was successful and what wasn't successful with that individual. And so because you have some you know, relativity, you can hire a better person, you know what you're looking for. And so each time when you're hiring, you're always looking for a better person than your top agent. Okay, two, two questions, I'll ask them one at a time. Um, I have lots of questions, but okay, so did you study other top producing teams at all as you're going through this process? Yes, well, uh, like I said, Keller Williams makes it really easy. There's a lot of connectivity through the organization and they have a team structure. So when we have a lot of access to agents in other markets, you're not really competition for them, so they're an open book. So it's really helpful to be able to call other agents and say, hey, what was the, what was the number one thing you did to be successful in your first year? Mm -hmm. Now, but your second year, you know, where are you now and what mistakes do you, th you feel like you made that you would have done differently based on where you are now? So you can pick the brain of some top agents like that, and usually they're gonna be very vocal about it. Um, you know, at that point, they don't want someone else to go through the same challenges that they went through if it's avoidable. So that's one, uh, mm -hmm. one way, you know, following the model and having a coach uh, was probably the most important thing too, is that even though there's a model out there, I'm a little bit uh, willy nilly. Uh, so I, I have a tendency to have, you know, chase the shiny object, right? Mm -hmm. And not follow the model specifically. The coach is what's always bringing you back to the execution components week by week. Okay. And so you set a big goal at the beginning of every year, right? Yep. And then you want to start chipping away at this goal how do you know where you are in the year? You know, a lot of times the coach is the one helping you to keep on track constantly. And when you fall behind, what are you going to do to catch up if the goal is non-negotiable? So I think that was the most helpful thing I did early on is hiring a coach. And the coach, is it specifically to people who want to build teams? No, a coach could be for anything. You know, originally when I hired a coach, it was, she was a production coach. And you could go hire a different coach for this, or you could hire, you know, if the same coach has that ability to kind of coach to different areas, then she became an organizational coach. Okay. You know, I'm all over the place. I need organization. I need uh, the right talent on the team. So helping to kind of guide me along the way, because we all have blind spots. Mm -hmm. And especially when we get our head in the business, you know, we have air game and we have ground game. You're on the ground game, your face is right next to everything. It's hard to see really what's happening in your organization and how it's really trending. Um, so they help you kind of see that air game element and, and start, you know, tapping you on the shoulder much earlier than you actually need to make a move saying you need to be start looking in this direction. Got it. Um, the difference between working on your business and working in your that's business. That's right. Air game on your business. Yeah. yeah. Ground game is you're in the business. That's the job component that you're executing. And so I, I believe that uh, a coach is the most invaluable piece you can hire. And yet some people think they know it all and they're not coachable. 
Uh, so no, really <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's no egos in this business, I know. So, yeah. uh, well, and I think, you know, I think one of the things that people are really struggling right now is they are in their business because and, and, it, and it is partly due to how aggressive the real estate market is right now. It's very right. difficult to take a step back from what you're doing when you are literally writing 30 offers, you know, showing house after house after house, getting continuous outbid. How do you strategize to get to win the offer? How much more do you have to go over, you know, all of these things and then seller expectations on the other side, right? I can't imagine trying to manage all the seller expectations right now. So working in your business since, I mean, the crazy really started March of 2020. Right. That's when the crazy started. Um, and so it hasn't, the gas hasn't let off. And now we're even in a situation where we're more aggressive in the market because right. inventory is so, so, so it is, I can see where there's struggle trying to find time to take that step back because your hair's on fire all the time because of the market, current market conditions. When you, when I started, you know, our business, you know, 95% of my time was working in the business. And about 5% of the time was working on the business. And as I created momentum, I had to continue to grow that time, that planning time that I have, um, really paying attention to how I'm time blocking my calendar to make time for the other activities of growing a business. Because now you have, you know, talent search. Now you have training requirements. Now you have, you know, you're sitting down with your admin staff on a regular basis and, you know, bringing them up to speed on everything that's happening. So your, your calendar starts to look different than it did before. And we're all creatures of habit very difficult to make those changes to our our time and you know the other thing is we all look at our bank account balances right and like well either i have enough or i don't have enough and that's causing this flurry of emotion that i just have to connect with more people and so when you live in that high you know pandemonium state you're not going to set aside the time to actually build the business and work on the business and I think there was something really interesting that you said in that, in that you're, you're looking at your bank account and you're like, I don't have the ability to hire someone, but what happened to your business when you let go of two things? Number one, control. Yeah. And then number two, that, you know, you had to have this belief that you were going to be able to earn more to right. support this. Is well, that, was that a, pi- a pivotal opportunity in your business? Absolutely. And I think when you say you have to have the ability to earn more, if you get time back, then what are you going to do with that time? And that was always the question I had asked myself, okay, I'm going to hire someone. I'm going to get some time back. Where am I going to channel that time to make sure that, you know, I have a four X return on that hire that I just made. And so it all had to go into the appropriate category to make sure that we're still scaling at the right you know, path mm-hmm. in true, in, in true talent. Once you put them on your team, they're also going to push you. And I didn't, I think I underestimated the value of that in my business is once you start to hire and bring other people on your journey, you sure as heck don't want to let them down. So there is some you may work that. harder for yeah. them in some cases yeah. than you do for yourself. Uh, and so I think, um, you know, that, that pattern of coming on, having a really clear expectations, what you need to get out of this hire, uh, in terms of time frame. you know, how much time I want to get back and then exactly where that needs to be spent. You just have to be clear, I think, on that. 
And I think that's a struggle I'm going through right now. I actually just had that conversation this morning with a realtor who's a, who's a very close friend of mine. You know, I, I was able to get some help to help me with my business to take off some of those things. And I had no problem letting go of control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can have it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think you get to the point in your business where you're just exhausted and you're just like, please help yeah. me. <laughs> you know? I need um, people. I need people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, trying to get your time back. I mean, you... I, I don't, I, I'm struggling with trying to find some time to work out and, you know, listen to more podcasts and do some personal, you know, reconstruction that I need to do. You have Christy and two beautiful daughters that are like, Hey, right? <laughs> yeah, the balance is, I mean, it's always a juggle, you know? So and when I, you buy your time back, yeah, where does it get, where does that time go? Cause I'm struggling with, I just fill it with more appointments. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you know, a part of the the vision at some point you're growing a team is also to get some time back too for yourself because I think when we all start in real estate we're out of balance completely we're working more hours than we probably should um, to be the best husband to be the best father uh, to be the best friend to our close friends I mean we're MIA you know at yeah. some points because your head is down serving clients uh, so the vision is once you start to make those hires you start to get a little bit more balance in your life and you can start to put, because you have a team servicing the clients, it's not you, you, you on every single task that has to be filled, then you don't have this hesitation to continue to grow the number of clients that you serve. Uh, you don't have the hesitation to plan things with your family that you're not gonna cancel. Um, Amen. You, you can start to hold to your calendar. And I think at the highest level of this business, um, I've been taught anyway, is that this is, you, it's following your calendar. You're just being a master calendar follower. So if you set your calendar up, support your goals and that means that's your family goals that's your spiritual goals your you know uh, your faith goals your love goals all that kind of stuff too and the business goals if you set your calendar up to support that and stick to that you're going to accomplish everything that you set out to do yeah i've never had conversations about time blocking ever yeah right yeah. <laughs> we all talk about it yeah and then but then you know unfortunately the squirrel arrives For right sure. and you're in a time block and you do something else yeah so, and, and i'm highly guilty of that yeah well good i'm not yeah. alone not even yeah okay so we have you as the team leader mm -hmm. we've got a tc we've got a showing assistant now we have a listing coordinator who right. comes after that so that's typical when you're adding another agent um that's so, when you start adding agents. Yeah, okay. typically agents. Um, you know, we had in our model kind of about halfway through it, we added a concierge individual that did event planning because we were heavily focused on sphere and really taking care of them. Yes, I noticed this trend in your business. It started at least a couple of years ago. Yes. Yeah. Uh, where you started really diving into your sphere and you started doing a lot of community events with your sphere. It became really important to us is that if we're really saying that they're going to be a client for life, then we have to have meaningful connections and opportunities for them to come and, and connect with us too. And we have some other, you know, other teams in our office that had done this really well. There's, you know, several other teams nationally that are doing this really, really well. And so we tried to model what they were doing. And I knew, you know, as I first tried to set up the planning and the scheduling, I knew that's not my <laughs> gift. I'm not good There's at it. There's a lot yeah. that goes There's in. There's a lot of details in like there. That. And yeah. I, you know, I missed a few <laughs> details, let's just say. So I needed someone who had some experience in that and then also had the ability to help me with the, the touch points to remind people. Because, you know, once you invite someone to something, everyone has busy schedules these days. You're, you're in competition for, you know, their attention or their focus or their calendar, let's just say in this case, for them to show up. So, um, you know, we had to have a whole process behind that. So we 
for sure failed Ford in that process, but we needed an individual to drive that mm -hmm. um, and to make sure that we're going to do something that doesn't need to be half. It needs to be the full thing. No, they're very creative events, and you've always had a really good showing, and so I think you've done them very well. And I know who you're talking about. She was really good at Yeah, absolutely. At doing uh, it. Yep, and so, you know, I think that's important that whatever you're going to decide to focus on your business, that you either have a person for it or you have time specifically blocked in your calendar to execute it. Okay, so it's time to turn over listings to someone. Yes. <laughs> so... Mm. I don't know how other agents feel about this, but this is probably the biggest struggle because this is um, this is a lifeblood of your business. And you want people who, if they're going on an appointment, you typically have one really quick opportunity to make an impact on that individual. And a lot of times you're competing with other agents. Very much so. And so you want to show your best foot forward. And so uh, I think it's, it takes a, a very experienced agent to walk in and be able to turn it on in someone else's living room and share all the value they need to hear and then handle those objections while they're in front of them. You don't have time to go away and figure things out. You need to handle it right then. And, uh, and so a lot of those judgment calls that takes a little more experienced agent, that they're not thinking about what they're gonna say or the script is anymore. They're simply just responding to what they know and what yeah. they're professional in. So you know, now we're really fortunate to have some great agents on the team that are excelling in that area too. And that way it allows you to take more territory, more listing territory at that point. What do you think the ramp up time is to groom somebody to start to take your place on a listing? I mean, obviously it depends on the individual, but as far as education and overcoming objections, moving away from the script, making it more free flowing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I agree. It's probably different for every person. You know, it's probably a minimum of 90 days just to kind of get the standard down. And shadowing is very effective in our business, right? They can come along with you, see how you... Um, handle the scenarios um, and then emulate that. So 90 days probably on the earlier side, and then it could take some agents, you know, six months to a year, not necessarily just grooming the listing side, but really proving out their expertise on all things. Uh, yeah, and so do we do we put them in the buyer's agent role for a while to see if they're the right fit for the listing ro agent role? Many We have in the past, but I don't think it has to go that way. Or they could hire someone specifically for a listing agent role. Okay. And, you know, a lot of times they're just, they're going to look a little different on, you know, we have the KPA, the Keller Personalized mm -hmm. Assessment, and they're going to look a little bit different on the disc. Um, and a lot of times they're very make ready presentation type people. Mm -hmm. They can present. On the buyer side, a lot of times you're more empathetic, connected listener um, and buddy, friend. Yeah. So you spend a lot of time with this person. Yeah, different. Yeah, Very you different. spend a lot more time, and you have to be able to tolerate that. Um, some of the best listing agents out there actually don't spend a lot of time with people. They're just really good in the moment of executing sure. a presentation. I can see that. And it can be they can be very effective at that, and not so effective at the other. Yeah, and vice versa. I agree. Okay. And so next uh, problem that I see is how do you transfer the client relationship from you to them, meaning they're calling you because yeah. they're your sphere. How do you put that trust in your clients and transfer that relationship to the people that you have in place on your team? Uh, it, it is very dependent. Sorry, these aren't on my script. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that's a great question. It's very dependent upon... Um, how you present what's normal for your team. So the challenge for us is when we, when I've worked specifically with someone before, they know how I operate. They came back to me because they liked that experience. And then I'm now sharing, hey, we've changed the model as a team. This is how we work now. 
So the way I present it, you know, initially the way we did this is that we would sit down as a buyer presentation. I would sit in so would the agent. Got it. And so I would lead the buyer presentation and I would share that we run in tandem together and that we have aligned interest for their goals, that um, the buyer agent in this case is their, their main priority is to make sure they have available time to commit to you know, showing the properties and getting us in, getting all the information that you need up front. So we kind of start down that path. Um, now that I have much, much stronger buyer agents too, I can talk about their track record. Okay. Specifically how well they execute. And of course they have reviews that back that up that people can look into. So it's a lower risk. And some people just say, Lance, I trust you, whatever you think is best. And I always have to, you know, continue to make sure that I'm checking in on that person. I was wondering that matchup if you happens did any well. Yeah, monitoring. And typically, though, you know, when you have talent on a team, you check in one time. They're like, man, agent's great. We love it, and we're and we're doing great. And so they kind of give you permission to let off a little bit and let the agent that you've set them up with lead. Oh, but I still want you, Lance. That's tough. Uh, <laughs> and I used to be able to say, make exceptions, you know, do that. And now from a time commitment side, it's, it's much more difficult to do that. And usually what I'll share with them is, hey, to be honest with you, from, I, I am not able to service you at the level that you deserve to be serviced. And so you got to give them an option, right? Say, That's interesting. I, you throw yourself under the bus. I throw myself under the bus because <laughs> I truly know. And I would rather let you down now and give you an option, you know, okay. than, than tell you this later. We've set this model up because we all specialize in very specific roles. And when you go to sell your home, right, that, that's me. I'm connecting with you on that. And when you're, you're looking to find a home, we have to be extremely responsive in this market. And my schedule hasn't allowed me to be responsive. And I'm not effective when, when I can't be responsive to your needs. Okay. So I'll just walk them through that. And, you know, if you have the right level of trust, usually they'll say, I understand what you're saying, you know. But I'll let them know, you still have access to me. And I'm going to check in on you. Mm. And we're going to make sure we knock it out of the park. Yep. And so... That, that kind of uh, discussion sometimes just has that it's a little give and take, you know, of how that works. But see, you're making it sound so easy to give up control, Lance. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I keep kind of coming back to this, you know, control issue because that is one of the objections that I deal with on a regular basis. When an agent says they want to build a team, I say, okay, well, you need this. And they're like, well, I can't give up writing contracts. I mean, I'm obviously, we're way, our conversation is way past that, but you understand the example. When you commit, though, to a specific goal and you're, you're one thing, when you commit to that, you're just going to have less time for all the other things. And so once you kind of have that recognition, I think it becomes easier to hand things over. You simply just don't have the hours in a day. And if you, you know, if you go through, I think everyone, as you transition, you go through an experience where you try to hold on to everything, you know, and try to service it all. And then you drop the ball bad, you know, somewhere you mess something up or you goof something up or you forget about something. You come to this realization, you just cannot do it all. Mm -hmm. um, you truly have to have, you know, a plan for everything. And so if it's not my calendar now, I just can't just throw it in there because my calendar's full. Yeah. So I have to delegate. I have to be able to connect. Well, and there's those people that learn by watching other people. And then there's the, there's the ones that have to have their own brick wall, right? Yeah, I'm right. definitely, I, I have brick walls. Oh, 100%. I run <laughs> through every one of them. Yeah. 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 And all that really hurts. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> I wish I could be one of those people that learn by watching others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but now I've always had to like stick my own finger on top of this stuff. Yeah. And then I can point to that experience and let me tell you what not to do. Right? <laughs> I think yeah. that's, you know, being, I, I think that is a, unique gift is someone that can identify 
you know, successes and failures in others and, and learn to avoid those. Um, I respect those people. Yeah. <laughs> I respect those people too. <laughs> um, so talking about, um, I don't, I don't want to call them failures, but you know, hiring people is a big challenge. Yeah. Not, no, 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 no. I'm going to back up. Hiring people is not a big challenge. Hiring the right people yes. is a very big challenge. And um, I have been exposed, I've been blessed to have a very large sphere in real estate. And so I see how a lot of teams function. And, you know, there was, there's one in particular that sticks out. And I'm going to have to stop doing this because I've said this before. Somebody's going to call me up and say, I know you were talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> but I noticed quarterly turnover. Yeah. Quarterly turnover, yeah. the amount of expense and time that, that is, that, that is a huge miss. And there's clearly, I mean, it was easy to see that there was something going on in the infrastructure of hiring, or maybe as what, you know, the value proposition. So we're going to talk about both of those. Let's start with hiring, mis hiring challenges. Yeah. Bob likes to call them challenges, not mistakes or yes, right. <laughs> hiring challenges. So what did you experience? Yeah. So I mean, the cost of a bad hire, I think you have to experience that and you recognize how much time and energy goes into that mistake, that one mistake. And a lot of times as an agent, we're just like, oh my gosh, I just need help. So the first person who walks through the door, you're, you'll do. Yeah. Because I need it now. Yeah. So they don't have a process. And I think if you don't stick to any type of process, uh, then you're already setting yourself up for failure. The second thing is once they walk in the door, then they kind of look at you like, all right, I'm here. You've hired me, so what do I do? Uh -huh. And so having a training you know, calendar for them already kind of pre-planned, we have a 30, 60, 90 day. So oh, you have a 90 day per training program. Correct. So they know what they need to be doing every day for 90 days. Doesn't mean, we, of course, we meet you know, weekly as well. And then my you know, closing coordinator, my team also becomes a support system to that individual. So as we're setting them up for, you know, you do all the fun stuff, getting the, the photos and the sure. uh, cards and, you know, kind of integrating all the systems, all that. So we have all of that very streamlined within the admin sector because that's not me doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm not good at it. Yeah. So it, then they start to build attachments to other people on the team. You know, you have potentially someone on the team that they can shadow and mentor with as well as you. Mm -hmm. um, so you start to spread out that activity so that they're getting several different viewpoints and connections with the team. That connection is really important okay. to, to, to their growth and their success, but also they're learning from specialists in each area, not just from one generalist, which would be me. Right. I think that's that's a pretty big deal is to have those specializations within your team so they can learn from each, I like each sector. Your team becomes the support structure, so you have to utilize that. And and I think really that most agents, the, the reality is we've just, if you've never hired someone before, you, you've just been told that you need to go grow a team mm -hmm. or you need to go hire someone. And so you do, but you have, there's no experience behind it. There's no plan. And so you're destined to fail. It is very, 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 very difficult to figure out how to hire the right person from the interview process because everybody's putting their best foot forward during the interview and then you get them on board and you're like, oh crap, <laughs> you know? Grit's hard to determine. And you know? we talked about that before yeah. we started recording. Yeah, so, um, and, and we use the example too, is that, you know, if the Navy SEALs, if they knew how to go pick the best of the best, then they wouldn't have, you know, their whole uh, bit, their whole schedule set up around bringing in a hundred people and only mm -hmm. selecting five. Mm -hmm. But you don't know who's gonna be capable of that grit factor until they get thrown in the fire, so to speak. And 
So I think that part's difficult, but what you can look for is successful track record in the past. Yeah. You can look for really strong motivations and desires. And so I mentioned to you as well that Patrick Lencioni, mm -hmm. uh, I think he's fantastic, but he has a book called Ideal Team Player. And he breaks it down to three pieces. He just says, are they humble? Are they hungry? And are they smart? Humble people typically are great learners because they get their ego out of the way and they're willing to learn very quickly. When they're hungry, they have motivation. There's drive. They have a family behind them. They have, you know, somebody that needs something, right? And they, sure. they're the one to execute, right? Um, and then smart is people smart. They can, you know, communicate. They can think quickly on their feet. Um, and they simply just can hold their own in, in this role. And I think in real estate, you, that's really all we have. We're service people. Sure. You got to be able to hold your own communication and deliver true value. And I think that's that's a big deal is delivering true value, being a person of your word, following through, staying motivated. And so finding that person with that grit and, you know, is, is, is more like spotting a unicorn. But the way that you broke it down, it makes it easier to see if they're going to if they have potential, if they potentially have that grit. And we only do a 90 day hire. So anybody we hire, it's 90 days. That's all they get. There's oh, it's no a probationary period. That's Got right. It. And you reassess after 90 days. That's right. So we've already set up the conversation. If that's not an individual that, you know, we believe we can help in the, in the business, then we can just part friends and we're going to try to help them find somewhere else to go. Oh, I love that. Okay. I mean, uh, I think there's people that just try to hang on to people to the death, you know, yeah. and it's, it's like you do have to kind of, if it's not a good fit yeah. culturally or, you know, motiv motivationally, you've got to learn to be able to say your goodbyes and move on. Cut ties early. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and again, it usually works out a whole lot better than if you linger on that relationship and really blow it up. Got so. it. So when, what is your value prop to your proposition to your agents? Because, you know, that's a, the, I, I do see that the, the team members struggle because they're giving up huge amounts of their commission. Right. They're, um, you know, having to take on somebody else's name. Their production's not in their name. Right. So they're giving up those things to get started. So what is your value proposition to your agents so that they want to come on board and then stay on board? So the concept of joining a team is really to stay in your top 20% okay. of activities that you can execute in. So, you know, a buyer agent is really good at meeting individuals, building relationships, you know, negotiating uh, contracts, and they're out and about, they're, they're running and moving and shaking. They don't like to sit behind a computer. So we're taking off everything after the point of contract. We're taking all that off their plate so they can go and find another client. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, right. So they stay in that passion zone. Yeah. That they have. Passion all zone. the other pieces have to be removed from their plate. Okay. So the reason that there's splits involved is because the team's taking on the burden of cost and duty and activity to carry the client the rest of the way. Yes, they're still connecting with the client and, you know, there's still communication, but they have a huge background, right? That's uh, our back in support that is taking care of that client to get them to closing day, which is payday, right? Yep. Um, so we walk through that, show a timeline of the events and what needs to happen on the buyer agent side and then where that baton handoff is. But in terms of the value, you know, to be successful as an agent, you need clients, you need a system or a CRM, you know, some way to connect with people. Nuh-uh, you yeah. need a CRM? Potentially. I'm not uh, talking about CRMs anymore. Yeah. So <laughs> it, you also need to have um, support when you have questions. Um, you need, a, you know, people to execute on your sphere of influence marketing, yep. which is really hard for all of us on agents to really execute on those different pieces. Yep. Um, you need coaching, which we provide, coaching and training, professional coaching, right? So all that's provided and paid for so that you can be successful. Okay. And 
you know, for an agent to go and figure out all these things they need to have to be successful, it can be, there's a lot to, you know, it's, it's, you're failing forward. So how yeah. long does it take to get there? You know, a team can bring you up to speed and, you know, a great team can bring you up to speed in probably less than half of the time, if not much quicker. You know, I think that's really important because I, I had a brief stint as a recruiter. Ooh, I'm not doing that anymore. Yes. <laughs> But it was really difficult to explain. It was a, you know, a, it was a split-based brokerage. Right. And so it was really difficult to get people to understand, especially new agents who are, in some cases, desperate. I mean, yeah. to explain to somebody that they need at least six, eight, one year worth of saved income right. to support themselves, they're they look at you and you can see that question mark on the top. They're like, what do you mean? So, you know, to explain to somebody why they need to sacrifice their commission was a big deal. Right. And these transaction-based brokerages would swoop in with the, oh, it's four ninety five a transaction. Yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, I get to keep all my money and it's fantastic. But they don't what they don't understand is what they don't know. Right. And which is how to become a successful realtor. And so it's hard to get people to understand the value of giving up their because that's all they think about. Well, we don't hire brand new agents in the business. Okay. Um, and a big part of that is because they need to go and have an experience and really understand what it takes on their own to be successful in the business. So it's very difficult for someone day one to see the value of a team when this is all brand new. Like how do they know there's value in a team? When they go and have an experience and they're having challenges getting the number of clients that they need, making the connections, understanding where to spend their time, and yet they've already had some experience trying in that direction, it makes it a lot easier to have the conversation to say, you know what, um, this presents an opportunity to take these six, seven things off your plate so that all you focus on is this one thing. And so the power of focus in all of our lives is what makes us successful. That's what we do as a team. We, we uh, take all the other pieces away so they can focus on that one thing. I think hiring somebody that's already had, has faced challenges and is ready to be open to offloading some of the things that are providing them with big challenges to stay in, way, you know, stay yep. in the way of their production. I think that's super smart because a lot of people that want to build teams, they, they go and fish for new agents. Um, but I like the idea of trying to find some more successful individuals that are, you know, open, potentially successful individuals right. that are open to the structure that you provide them because there is a lot of value in what you're giving an agent. Yes. Well, and, and uh, I think the other thing too is, people think there's limitations on what you can do you can perform on a team so i was an agent on a team so i speak directly from experiences that you have a tremendous amount of upward mobility if you can simply follow a coach or a, follow a model to get yeah. there and it, it requires some leverage along the way too right so even as i was on a team i had a showing assistant uh to get some of that time back so i can continue to scale sure and uh, you know so they want to they want to be talking to someone who's done it before okay and so you know that many does put you in a really good position. Yeah, many teams <clears throat> offer that. You know, some don't. They're just talking more in kind of theory of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our goal is, though, to have everyone on the team is to have a the level of success they're looking for. If one person on the team who's wanting something bigger than what they're, they're producing, they become a sour apple. And it can really mess up the culture for the whole team. So we take it very seriously. When they tell us our goals, are we really able to get them where they want to go if they execute within their realm? Or, you know, we have to do the same thing on our side mm -hmm. as a, for the team. The other thing too, I don't think people understand until you get in the business is that there are costs in the business. If you're an agent, right, you look at, oh, I'm making all of this commission. 
but you're also uh, taking on all if the If you're problems. also a list yeah. a seller or a buyer, you think the agent's making Correct. all of that commission. Yeah. And there's a lot of places where the money goes, uh -huh. right? And it goes real quick. So, you know, what people do, they get in the business, start spending on lead generation. And it's like throwing mud at the wall, you know, kind of seeing what sticks. Oh, my goodness, yes. And so a lot of times as agents on their own, they, they simply don't have the things figured out. And it takes a long time sure. to do so. So, you know, we're spending, we're, you know, once we have an agent come on the team, right, we're spending a tremendous amount on their behalf. Yeah. So that they can continue to be successful. And so, yes, there's a profit margin built in for the team. But there's also a tremendous investment on each agent. So we got to pick the right match. Okay, you're looking for two people right now. We are, yeah. What are you looking for? Well, well, we're, so we're looking for four total uh, this year. Okay. And so we have a, another opportunity under kind of the closing coordination department as another support as we continue to grow in transactions. Um, we have another need on the client concierge um, event planning. And we're also working with some very specific client segments that we want to continue to grow in. So that's another role, uh, more more. Uh, prospecting faced on that as well, but also uh, planning okay. of events. And then we're looking for two more um, excellent agents. And okay. one is primarily a, a listing, a junior listing agent, what we're calling it. So really their primary purpose is going to be to take listings um, on the team. And then another agent that is simply a, a either a buyer agent or a dual agent, um, okay. you know, somewhere in that realm. So you heard it, you heard yeah. it here first people. <laughs> if you're yeah. looking to join a team, oh, but you have to be the right fit. <laughs> Culture is important. Culture is very yeah. important. Very important. We've been looking at recruiting and, and we haven't found the right culture fit for our office yet too. And it's a very delicate balance and it, you want to make sure that everybody stays happy. It is. And culture is not always, you can define it. You have your culture, your core values, yeah. you know, so to speak. But sometimes you know it when you know it, right? You mm -hmm. can't, can't always explain it up front. So, uh, but I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to come and yeah, share we're on Yeah, we're going to wrap up for today. Yeah. Um, but I, I reserve the right to ask you back. Of course, yeah. And uh, thank you for sharing your time with me today and with the audience today. Um, I hope that you guys got some really good nuggets out of our conversation. And so thank you for joining us on another episode of Spilling the LT. Again, I'm your host, Tamara Gady. Make sure that you go on to, well, all of the social media platforms. Like, share, subscribe, give us a review and post some comments and make sure that you stay up with all things real estate. You guys make it a great day. Thank you.